Hey, remember that time those two idiots online had a podcast and then they didn't do anything for a long time and then you forgot about them and then they came back? No, not those guys. Us. Welcome back to our irregularly scheduled program with 40 in a podcast. I'm Josh and hey, it's Justin. Hey, buddy. Hey. I didn't remember us either, so <laughs> I know. This used to be a thing. We used to do this all the time. Should do it so much, ah. so often, so great. That people clamored. They 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 begged, they pleaded, and we came back. Two people clamored. Wow, you heard two people? I heard nobody. I'm excited yeah. about to know we're down, two people. I think we're down to one. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with all this. We're just gonna we're just gonna have a little chat. We're have a little chat. A little chat. And we'll chat and we're going to see what we come up with to talk about for today. So you drink a little beverage over there? What you got over there? We took so long in the pre-show that uh, I drank all my 8th Wonder um, Rocket Fuel. Ooh, Rocket Fuel's nice. Yeah, I'm going to go, go back to the uh, the brew house by Real Ale. Oh, nice. That's a good one. I like that one. I'm Are drinking you? Real Ale too. Axis IPA. It is Axis IPA. Good call. Good call. And I've got a more local one that I'm going to drink after this. Uh, Back Pew Brewing. I think they're in Humble, Texas. Humble. I think they're in Humble? Question mark. Right in Back Pew. And if you want to sponsor a podcast, I'll happily drink more of your crap on on air. It's the their Bach, which is actually really nice. It's called Satter Swill. Very yep. devilish Spooky. Ooh, it sounds that way. You ever notice that like nobody other than Shiner Bach makes a Bach usually? Like there's Shiner and Zegan, and then there's all these little like small outliners, but there's not much. Um, there's so the the brew pub that just opened up in my little town has their own Bach. The one time I've been there, the keg was empty, which is unfortunate because I really wanted to try it. Oh well, here's what it is, man. Yep. The um, let's see. I think yeah, I think I mentioned last time. The uh, Eighth Wonder did open, did uh, kind of you know present themselves here in Austin, which is nice. Yeah. So so, I found I randomly found the uh, yeah that beer, the Vietnamese Coffee Porter Rocket Fuel mm-hmm. on on tap on Nitro. It is so much better in Nitro because it doesn't have that bite, so it goes smooth yeah. like a coffee. But, I dig I dig the nitro beers, man. Those are good. Yeah, and I found a couple other lying around. So I mean, they're making their way. But I had a thought the other day, and I looked at it. Did it hurt? This, yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the if you go into any bar now and you see Carbach, because Carbach Love Street is everywhere now, especially in Austin. Yeah. Usually, where you find it the most is anywhere they won't sell Miller Light. Because that's basically what it is now. It's Miller Lite for craft beer snobs. Don't uh, don't insult Love Street by comparing it to Miller Lite. No, no, no. I don't. I don't mean it in that way. I don't mean to okay. drag it down. But I mean, like, if you, it's your standard. Like, for you're right. Time, you're right. Yeah. For a long time in Austin, you had Fireman's Four, and that's a standard. And it's yep. like, you know, and the craft beer world, you know, and it, and you know, it's Anheuser Busch or whatever their big. They're larger companies now, but and Bev, and Bev. Yep. Yeah, and that's how it is, and I'm I'm okay with that because I like Love Street. 
It's yeah, it's a really approachable beer. It's a nice light Kolsch. It's great in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, a buddy of mine from high school actually lives around me, and he's like, "Hey, let's meet up and grab a beer." So we go, um, and we're sitting talking, and he's like, "Dude, you want one more round?" Like we'd already paid the bill. And he's like, "You want another round?" I'm like, eh, if you're gonna stay, you know, there's a place right across the street from my my uh, neighborhood. And I I had had two old Rasputins, and I was like, I need something else, dude. So I'm just like, Love Street, give me Love Street. It's just such an easy beer to drink, and it's it's tasty. Um, Man, what else have I been drinking? Like you mentioned, Carbach, they have a chocolate stout, chocolate stout or chocolate porter. Either way, Uh, stout. The one in the Willy Wonka can. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a chocolate stout. I had that recently. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. It. It tastes better than it smells because it smells like a Tootsie Roll. You don't like Tootsie Rolls? I love Tootsie Rolls, but I just don't want a Tootsie Roll beer. I would like to see you do the Tootsie Roll. That would be nice. I don't think anyone needs to see me do the Tootsie Roll. I don't remember how to do the Tootsie Roll, so there's a lot of issues there to begin with. You can look it up online. (laughs) I don't recommend it, but you can. Any other interesting beers lately? No, I mean, uh, I had a... I had one from Cellus, which is, I think, either here or uh, outside of here, wherever here is, Austin. And it was, you ever tasted uh, beers where they infuse uh, jalapeno in it? I have tried one. Actually, my wife bought jalapeno wine once, which it was like a white wine infused with jalapeno. She was excited about it when she brought it home and then she tasted it and she's like, I I shouldn't have bought this. I should not have bought this. No, all of them have this really fake peppery taste at the end of it. And this Cellus Porter had that taste. That's yeah. exactly what it tasted like. It was really, really not good. And I like Cellus beers. So like they do a Cellus White, which is a, I think it's a wit. Uh, we hear from Wisen or White, Belgian White. But yeah. It's, yeah, but this one was like that. And it's like, I literally had to leave five beers behind. I was like, I left them at my buddy's house after going there for dinner. <laughs> it's like, you can have those. It's like, he struggled through, but he made it through. Well, hats off to him. You don't yeah. want to waste beer, but you know, I get it. If yeah, I'd waste Actually, that beer. I'd waste that beer. Um, for my uh, my fail. So as we're recording this, it's like the week after the Super Bowl. Um, for the uh, the the Saints playoffs run, I was drinking nothing but Abita beers, and uh, I bought like the the party pack or whatever. Which has, it's got like their IPA, well, two different IPAs, the lager. Um, oh, did the why my purple haze? Why am I drawing a blank on that? And then they had this blueberry wheat, and I can't really drink a wheat, but no. I I suffered through it. Dude. Like I drank them all. I was gonna uh, say, do you do you like that many Abita beers? It's like I'll drink their root beer, their brown, and. Turbo Dog. The rest of them I'm not a fan of at least. Purple Haze I like, uh, which is weird because it's a fruit beer and I normally don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually they have a Mardi Gras Bach, which is not terrible. It's pretty good. I think I've had that one. That one's bad. But like the, uh, I didn't like the Purple Haze. There's a... I'm trying to think of the other ones in there, but yeah, no. That party pack, it's like I usually... Usually from them, it's like if I'm if I'm going to you know any kind of Cajun themed restaurant, it's like and they have a beat it. It's usually Turbo Dog. I go with that. Yeah, 
I haven't had a turbo dog in forever. Um, their IPAs weren't bad. Their amber's pretty good. Nice. Um, anyway, aside from that, so normally in the... We actually went to a concert together a few months ago. There's a lot of hand-holding and shaking and dancing. Good slow stuff. dancing. Yeah, slow dancing. With, uh, with my head on your shoulder. It was so sweet. Yeah, with um, Alice Cooper got, screaming in the background. We got to see Mr. Alice Cooper, and I was very surprised that i mean i I knew i was gonna enjoy it but man that guy the dude's like 70 and he still puts on the show you want to watch alice cooper put on like i mean you know they he had the whole thing where he got electrocuted um frankenstein came out he did get beheaded and then his encore he showed up on stage holding his own head which is rad um man what else did he do that was great Dude, it was just, you know what's really good about it? It's the whole time I'm watching it for the first like five or ten minutes, I thought it was lip syncing because it just sounded too good to be true, you know? And then you, fix, yeah. you watch him long enough and he's just like, don't think he's lip syncing. And it's like, it was just really good show. And he has, like, he, you know, I'm, you know, everybody on stage but him was pretty much young, so it's pretty much a revolving, you know, backup band, but still he picks good musicians and they're talented it's, musicians. Well, as if you ever watched that uh, documentary Hired Gun, mm-hmm. uh, which is where I learned about Nita Strauss and we got to see Nita Strauss play guitar and man, that chick to to she, further connect Alice Cooper to um, Wayne's World, that chick can wail. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like she, uh, she was phenomenal and she's talking about in that documentary when she got picked to be on Alice Cooper's backup band or when he was interested in hiring her, I think like she was completely taken back because he hires nothing but the best. And it really shows when you go see him live and those, his musicians are phenomenal. Oh yeah. It was. And then I just like, uh, the, the stage show, the stage show was probably just the most interesting part about it beyond the music. Yeah, because it's it's elaborate. I mean, like the little bit you saw at Wayne's World is like you thought that was elaborate. It's like this goes far beyond that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like they played "Feed My Frankenstein," which is the song he does in Wayne's World. Yeah, and it goes beyond him just singing the song. Like Frankenstein, he gets that's when he got strapped to the table and electrocuted. And then there's a big puff of smoke, and then this Frankenstein Alice Cooper comes out. He was like ten feet tall. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was like when we saw Iron Maiden and the 10 foot tall Eddie came out. Uh, but it was just, man, it was, I didn't realize how many Alice Cooper songs I knew until that night. It's like, oh, I know this song. I know this song. There was, yeah, there was a handful I didn't know, but even still, I wasn't put off by the fact that I didn't know the music. It was still yeah. really entertaining. Yeah, no, he, he, he kind of just brings you in good, you know, good enough to enjoy. There's something to stare at. If you are not, if right. you don't know what it is, you're, you're enjoying something on stage. No, it was, dude, I've, I've, if anybody has a chance to go see him, go see, go see Alice. You will not be disappointed at that. Anyway, what else has been going on? We watched the Royal Rumble and texted back and forth. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> I don't I would almost, I mean, I'd be honest. I'd almost hijack from the Royal Rumble just to talk about AEW for an hour. Oh but, yeah, but the Royal Rumble wasn't bad, and I think the, I think mentioning, a, mentioning AEW because AEW existed. I think that they they came up really really short on a lot of surprise 
like signings because of that because you know they talked to the I think they they talked to the young bucks who were the executive vice president they talked mm-hmm. to him previously and they talked to Kenny Omega who wasn't even out of his contract but you know it seems like a lot of people they might want to bring back either didn't go through or it was because of they were entertaining other options but I, I mean think- there were it's still a good match beyond just, you know, people showing up. I think the, well, quickly on Royal Rumble, um, I'm not surprised at who won either Rumble. I'm not disappointed in either way, um, but I'm not surprised at, you know, either either winner of the Rumble matches. Um, you know, good on Becky Lynch. What I what I'm worried about is that she's going to get hijacked somehow and wind up in a, a, a three way match at WrestleMania. No. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be Becky and Ronda. I, I hope so. I, I really and I want them to main event it because I think it would be a fantastic match. Um, what I am, uh, yeah, that, that that'd be the only thing I'd be worried about. I'd. You know, I wish Finn Balor would have beaten Brock Lesnar, but I think they're going to play that out longer. And I think what they're going to wind up doing is having Demon Finn Balor beat Brock Lesnar. And I think if they do something like that, it's the only way they keep Finn Balor and keep him from going to AEW later. Yeah. Yeah, To put put the the universal belt on him. And I think also it's going to keep... Seth Rollins there if they put the belt on him because they need both of those guys quite honestly. Yeah, um, I don't know. If, I don't know if they actually came out and said if um, AJ Styles resigned, but he was somebody I wouldn't want to see leave either. And- no, I think he needs to not to. I'm not saying this lightly. Like he needs to end his career there. Yeah, he's he's looking at the, he's looking at the twilight at this point, but they they just need to figure out. They need to personally. I think they just need to get rid of some people. Just let some oh, they people do. go. Don't keep people for the simple fact of not letting them go other places. Let them go, but and focus on the people who are out there. Because I mean, they're losing Dean Ambrose. Yep. And I wouldn't, you know, like the club was a thing, and I don't, I don't remember the last time the club did anything interesting that I actually cared about. You know, let them go, but. Uh, Coming back around to what you originally said, uh, starting off with Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is like I liked her. I like her a lot. She definitely like turned, tried to turn the heel, and then basically went stone cold a little bit with it. Yeah. So I mean, I hope they don't mess her up. I mean, she could she could go out and fight anybody. And I think it'd be interesting, and you could put the title on anyone, whether it's Ronda Rousey or someone else, and I think it'd be an interesting match. But. They need to focus on people like that. People who they probably will have lost the lost to the mid card shuffle at some point in time, or did, and you know, right. But and I hope, like, and and I think things have changed because you know at one point in time, it didn't matter. Like you take a guy like Piper, who I think held the Intercontinental title one time in his time in the WWF. Mm-hmm. He did not need a belt to get over. He didn't. He let his mouth do it, you know. Right. And his his just overall attitude that that guy and and he worked. I mean, he worked his ass off. Hulk Hogan needed a belt to get over. I feel like, and then once he finally got that belt, and then you started introducing things like Hulkamania, 
then okay, yeah, then then he takes off and he's you know strapped him to a, a shooting star and he's gone. Um, I hope they. Well, no. Now I feel like fans want their people to have a belt. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's it's a like a stamp of approval or a I don't know what you want to call it, like a checkbox that has to get checked off in order to make them, you know, top of the carb material. I don't know. I just don't I feel like things are different than it was. And now like they need to put that belt on her and maybe she just needs the the push to that comes along with beating Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, be like ultra over superstar. No, I mean, I get that, but I think it's just cause they don't, it's just not, it's not the same as what it was, you know, it never no. will be, but no. they've, they've, I think they've overscripted it. And it's like, these are things that are just like, if you watch YouTube wrestling, they've been iterated over and over and over again. It's yeah, kind yeah. of getting super repetitive So just tell them. That's why, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much I'm sold on doing double and nothing, uh, whatever that pay-per-view is going to cost me. I'm pretty <laughs> sold on that. Um, whenever they get a TV deal, which, you know, they keep edging at, supposedly they have a, a trademark on, what was it, uh, Tuesday Night t- Tuesday night something. But basically, yeah, it's I like, saw that the other day. Yeah, they're talking about, you know, not going head to head with them. They're not going to go and do like Impact did, where Impact just grabs anybody. It's like, oh, you were WWE for 10 minutes. People know your name. Take it. They're not going to do that. They're picking out a lot of people. And I started watching, I started watching the Being Elite kind of, uh, the one by uh, the Young Bucks, the mm-hmm. channel they do. And you know, I watch some of the stuff in there because it's kind of like it's it's not super edited. It's pieced together. It's got some small editing, but it's just random bits of weird shit that they do. Yeah. And I got to I see hope. like Hangman Page like wrestle a little bit, and he's interesting. I've never heard of him before. Yeah. Well, I hope honestly, competition would be good. Competition would be good. And I think they're going to do it smart. I think Cody's very smart. Um, I think he learned a lot from his dad. And hopefully they just they they pick talent wisely and I think he's doing a smart thing getting guys like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. And I think the smart thing that they did was go with AEW so that they do have more control over their product as opposed to when you go to WWE. Hmm. Vince doesn't care who you are and what you've done. He's gonna slap the character on you that he think works and that's that's what you're doing that's why finn balor's finn balor not prince devitt that's why you know what i mean like here's one for you the i I don't know if i've ever looked this up or not but it's a curious thought how did cm punk get through that that kind of like that i guess you you know that process how did he come out in with cm punk leave with cm you know, I mean, well, he probably already owned the trademark, but how did he, he he keep that character? I don't know. I mean, there's a handful. I mean, AJ's done it. Um, there's a handful who have. AJ Samoa was Joe big when it came in, though. So well, yeah, Samoa well, Joe yeah. was decently decently well, I mean, they, too. Both of them were. Oh, I mean, AJ was, I think, a multi-time. Uh, uh, oh man, uh, IWGP champ. He was a he was a face of the competition for. 10 years or whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Samoa Joe was the face of TNA for a few years. You know, both of them were wrestling guys like, 
you know, Bubba Ray and Kurt Angle and Sting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the world knows who they are because of what they've done. But people knew who Finn Balor was before he came. They made him change his name and gave him this whole demon gimmick and all this crap. They still made him go through NXT. The guy can obviously move. Yeah, I think I think the bypassing NXT is like a yeah smaller. It's a you know you have to get you just kind of be there to do it. But not everybody's there. <clears throat> but no, I mean I think AEW would be more interesting. I hope they do it well. Um, to to throw onto that, uh, bringing in Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Cody Rhodes are all executive vice presidents of AEW. That's the one thing that worries me is you've got a bunch of guys with titles, and I'm I'm hoping that egos don't clash. That's all I'm worried about with them. No, I mean like Kenny Omega's like he seems like reserved, soft spoken, kind of like very chill. I mean Cody Rhodes is like he's more he's more character than his anything else when you see him on. Same thing. I, I mean, there might be a whole different thing behind the scenes, but they seem like the kind of guys that are going to be pretty decent about this. Yeah, I hope you're right. But anyway, anyway, I think the the competition will be good. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of product they can produce and how frequently. And I will definitely watch some of their TV if uh, it becomes available for me to watch on Hulu. <laughs> And uh, or if YouTube or whatever, but yeah, I'll, I'll watch. I mean, I just started only because it's you know we're in that period of time between the Rumble and WrestleMania. I've kind of started to pick up weekly WWE shows. I watch the ninety-minute version on Hulu, which gives me enough of what I need to get in between on the pay-per-views. You know, um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it's 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 this is my favorite time of year for wrestling. It's really the only time I still watch. I keep up more like, you know, the, I guess I don't read dirt sheets, but I'm, you know, the YouTube dirt sheets thing following, wow, what culture, uh, cultaholic, yeah. uh, wrestle talk and a few other ones. Yeah. I'll every once in a while I'll, I'll catch the ups and downs of here's the good and bad of what happened this week. Yeah. That's yeah. what I usually watch more of than anything else. But yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, something that we wanted to talk about, man, we both watched, well, I finally watched it just the other day. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen movie. The Queen movie. The Queen movie. The Freddie Mercury movie. I, don't I was going to say, let's start with that right there. It was it was <laughs> Freddie Mercury a little bit more. Than it was. Me. You're right, it, and that's what I was worried about initially when I heard about this because I heard some bad things because it's been in the works for a long time before it finally came out. Like it was going to be more focused on. The other, you know, Brian May, John Deacon, and uh, oh shoot, the drummer whose name escapes me right now. Um, it was going to be more focused on them, and like Freddie was going to die halfway through, and I was like, that's garbage. Nobody cares. Um, but it did wind up focusing more on Freddie as it should, because how do you top that personality in that movie? And Rami Malek was amazing, as everyone oh. else has already said. Um, I'm not super like, it was kind of a sing-along. It's like, here's three or four of our big, big hits and here's how they recorded. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody itself. And 
you know, here's a little bit about Freddie's life. But man, it's you know, it was it was good, but it kind of just left me wanting more. And I really want to go find like a good biography about Freddie Mercury and read it. Yeah, well, I mean, the some of the things like the easy one right out the gate was was uh, the solo thing. He they were talking about you know always oh, going solo you know and, but if you look it up and it's very easy to find it's like Brian May had done two solo albums yes. and I think Roger Taylor or, Roger Taylor is the guy yeah, I think of. He, he had done like one or two also yes years before Freddie even did that and the yes even, correct the even bigger thing is is do you remember or if, do you ever remember listening to a solo Freddie Mercury album I know it's out there and I. Th- think it's on the Queen Platinum Collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think some of that stuff's on there. I didn't listen to it at all. I mean... Or it might just be his opera stuff. Yeah, he, he did do some opera stuff on there. I'm looking on this and I don't think any of it's on... Because I've got like the three-disc Queen Greatest Hits Collection. Oh, look at that. There's one, two, two songs by just Freddie Mercury and one Brian May song. Yeah. Like the third. Oh, yeah. And then here's the thing that uh, here's Barcelona with Freddie Mercury and that opera singer lady whose name I'm not going to try and mispronounce. Um, I mean, there's other stuff. Yeah, he did an opera album like that. that. Um. Yeah, one of those songs is apparently on this three-disc collection thing that I have. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, and, and I, I, after the movie finished, like, I immediately got online and I found, like, a video of, like, quick things that were wrong with the movie. Hmm. Just because I knew there were some things that didn't add up just in my brain as I was watching it. Um, they had been touring for almost a year before they played Live Aid. So I think it was just for a dramatic effect that they they wanted to show how Freddie could pull off a performance at the last minute while he was sick, which, by the way, he didn't even have AIDS yet. Uh, that came, I believe, a year or maybe two after Live Aid. I was going to say, but was Live Aid the last time that they played together? Or they no, uh-uh. they, yeah, they, they so. played more afterwards. So, I mean, I, I understand why they chose Live Aid because that was literally like, you know, they they, they had a decent amount of popularity, but after Live Aid, and that's, you're just talking about that's an explosion of... Well, I mean, that was like... It's a I mean, great, 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 so, you know, set. I mean, too. The, whole, the whole... It's it's like a 22-minute set. You can watch the whole thing. It's on YouTube, and it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, it to have... And you could just you can see it in that old footage. I mean, he had a hundred thousand people in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's in any discussion of the the greatest frontman of any band is really a discussion of who's number two. Because how do you be? And I'm not talking about like people like Elvis Presley. You go to see Elvis Presley. You go to see Elvis Presley. You're not. When you go to see Queen, you see Queen and Freddie Mercury's in front of the band. It's it's two different things. He's the greatest. I mean, it's it's really a discussion of who's almost as good as him. It's almost as good as him. That's Nobody. a long, long, long list. 
Yeah, number oh. two is a, a it's a step it's a big step down. Yeah. But you know, the movie was entertaining. I mean, I guess that's all you can hope for. And well, yeah, and it's you know, it's like anything else. It's like it's either it's either it's either a true, true to form biopic, which it pretty much ends up being a documentary, or you know, it takes a lot of liberties. And it probably took more liberties than it needed to in some places, and it made him probably look like a bigger dick than he actually was. Well, for, for a lot of the, the other three members of the band executive produced the movie, so there's that. <laughs> oh, that's one thing, but it's like you know, I, I saw some things saying that they they didn't agree with all of it. So I mean, you know, they got their they got their jabs in when they could, but I don't think they they got to do everything. But it. It was, I mean, overall, it was good. It wasn't, it, all right, here, here we go. I'm going to go with my, my downfalls to it. I, I know you're going to answer no to this, to this, but had you ever once watched an episode of the show Glee? No, <laughs> no. Okay. Um, more to the point, it's like understanding a Broadway theater. Broadway uh-huh. theater is always like, you know, you start, there's a conflict or there's an issue or there's an up note or a down note. And it kind of like starts with someone talking and then it moves into them singing into it. You know, they're singing, they're expressing their feelings or they're having an argument back and forth. That's what every single one of the, uh, the song, the parts where they start writing a song were like, they either end up being something or like, I think when they were arguing about, uh, another one bites the dust, you know, they're, basically an argument he goes oh what's that i like that and, you know and it just yeah. comes up it just that that was one of the things that just felt like it was very pushy just very like it wasn't like as being someone who's written music before it's like nowhere near the process and it just seems off so i mean that might be my take on yeah it, but, yeah. There's, yeah i mean it it was entertaining i knew i wasn't gonna finish watching it feeling completely satisfied but um, the 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 best thing to come out of it is I think that Rami Malek is going to get a lot more attention and a lot more roles, which I'll be happy to see because I think he's a great actor. But yeah, it was all right. I don't yeah. think I mean I don't think it's going to win Best Picture, but I hope he does get nominated for something for his portrayal of Mr. Mercury. Yeah. Oh. Uh... The uh, the super uh, the super meta scene of Mike Myers, you know, being the uh, <laughs> yeah. the record producer, who's just like saying that you know, you know, this song will never get on the air. It will play all the way through. They don't play six minute songs. No one will headbang into their headbang in the car to this song. Yeah, seeing as he actually, you know, he actually headbanged in his car to that song in a movie, and he put it. He was the one who argued to have that in there. Well, it was we were watching that. Um, my wife and I watched it sitting on the couch watching Bohemian Rhapsody, and I said, "That's kind of funny." And she goes, "What?" I said, "Look who's telling Queen that this song is never going to get played, and that it's a you know blah blah blah." She's like, "I can't even tell who that is." I said, "Wait until he talks again." She was she's been working at night, <laughs> and she she looks up and she's and then he starts talking. She goes, "Oh, I get it." <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people who didn't know he was going to be in that movie because I knew he was in the movie. I just didn't know what he did in the movie. 
I didn't know he was in the movie, so that was a that was a cool surprise. Just having that kind of yeah, moment where oh, that's that yeah, yeah. That, that's super meta. That's like they wanted me to say that, and I said it just for their their benefit. But yeah, yeah. I'm glad they used Freddie's voice to sing, like his real voice, when uh, Rami was singing. Yeah, that was I, actually Freddie's voice. I didn't because you know you like. Um, who was it? Paul Rogers did it, and then mm-hmm. Adam Lambert did it. God, I hate Adam Lambert. That, that uh, uh, I get it, but yeah. I just I didn't hear it at all. But I mean, like nobody like my dad always told me it's like yeah, you know, I like make make fun of the uh, Freddie Mercury benefit concert because mm-hmm. no one could sing it. No, it was horrible. It was just it was people attempting it, and the guy just has that range. He has that control, and it just there's not anyone on the planet really no. does. And it's it's you know, like I said, nobody's ever going to be Freddie Mercury again. But you do have to admit, though, you're talking about like the Freddie Mercury concert, like in '91 or two, whenever that was. Yeah, I'm okay. For his benefit, right? Queen doing Bohemian Rhapsody with Elton John and Peak Axl Rose is pretty cool. You have to admit that. I'm going to have to rewatch that one because I actually don't remember it very well. Okay, so the it's you know the song is kind of in three parts. The beginning part with the piano is Elton John, and uh, then you go into the operatic part with the Galileos and everything, mm-hmm. and the stage kind of goes dark. And then there's you know the the part of the video with like all the the members of Queen and you see their heads and they're all singing or whatever. And then the music picks up again for that last part. And then there's fireworks and Axl Rose just starts, I mean, runs on stage and just tears up the end of that song. It's really great. I'll have to go watch that one. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. It's worth your six minutes. Oh, um, the other kind of Easter eggs in there was talking about like um, when he's talking to Brian May, it's like, oh, you want to be Dr. Brian May? And it's like, you know, Brian May is a doctor now. Yes, he is. Doctor of Astrophysics. And uh, I don't know, little things like that. And I think one of the things I really liked was because it was it was just a really interesting video for the time was um, I Want to Break Free, the one where they're yeah. basically uh, in drag cleaning up everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a pretty good video. And that was a cool one just kind of had in there that they were making it. Yeah, I mean it was it was an entertaining movie, but I I would rather see I guess more of a R-rated Freddie Mercury biopic because I'm not more more so just to see what his actual life was like. I mean they hinted at it, but like just I mean the guy was he had his problems. I mean everybody does, but when you're famous for the parties you throw at your house. I kind of want to see that when there's, you know, a, uh, when you have a crew of little persons walking around your house with plates on top of their head that you can do cocaine off of. That sounds like an interesting party that I'd kind of want to watch on screen. It's a thing that he used to do. (laughs) I'm just looking for the easy thing right now. It's like, okay. Uh, Queen, Days of Our Lives, 2011. That's hailed as Queen, one of the best and most comprehensive. Freddie Mercury, The Great Pretender. These are just these are just uh, documentaries. 
Inside the Rhapsody. Um, this was that was recent. That's 2015. And then Queen Rock the World. You know, of course, this is uh, this is all uh, you know, just eat them up stuff. It's like oh, five yeah. documentaries you should watch, stream before watching Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. gonna I'm about to watch the Taste of Our Lives one though. But we'll probably get around to it. Yeah, I think it's more interesting to uh, to get into those. Because yeah. kind of, you know you're always gonna be left a little bit out with a biopic. But right. the uh, Queen is on. I'm a I'm a decent Queen fan. I have at least five or six albums on vinyl. But Queen is one of my favorite bands. But it's like one of those bands where I'm just like, that's that's a part of the uh, the basic lineup. The basic lineup is is uh, if you you know things that you should know that are like older. It's like oh you should know Bohemian Rhapsody. You should know. I hate to say this because you're gonna be angry, but you know. Don't stop believing my journey. That's in the that's in the basic lineup of music. It's like, oh, that's my favorite song. It's Bohemian Rhapsody. It's like, yeah. I'm gonna, Why I'm would just, I be mad at Don't Stop Believing? That is a part of the basic. What I'm saying is like the basic bitch or the basic bro library of songs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got and you. Bohemian Rhapsody is a great song by all means, but I don't. It's. Think, I mean. I don't think it's respected for. I don't think it's liked and respected always for the reasons it should be. And you know, you can enjoy music any way you want, but it's more. It's more because it's played. It's some people. It's more that it's played more often than it than it holds any significant value or enjoyable thing. Maybe that's something you and I need to fight on. Like, what's the greatest rock and roll song ever written? I would put money on Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know. If I, I don't even entirely know if I consider Bohemian Rhapsody a rock and roll. I mean, to a good degree, yeah. But I mean, rock I think it's, song, or you know, just as a general genre. Like, I'm not saying, you know, best best rock rock song ever. Yeah, I might say Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, it's, it's I don't know what else to to put up against it. Um, there's I mean, there's a there's a cavalcade of stuff you could do. But I mean, like, give you an idea. Have you ever listened to Rolling Stone's top songs of all time? Oh, like Rolling Stone magazine? Uh, yeah. No. So, I mean, it like. They David Freak at an airport once, so there's that. Like, this thing is like. Yeah, if you ever get the chance, just. It's a great list. I put it on Spotify for a while and rocked it. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Strangely enough, I think like Weezer's on this list. I want to say in the top ten is like Nirvana and a few other things, but it's just like, yeah, it's this, it's this existential list, and there's some things that just pop up in there that you're like, you're kind of like bewildered about because, like, "Summer Babe" by uh, Pavement is on there. That's a great song, but I don't think it's one of the greatest songs ever. But apparently, it's like one of the 500 greatest songs of all time, and you're just like, why? It's a little bewildering, to be honest. They did it for hipster street cred, probably. I don't know. Not even hipster, but like, like, I don't know. They did it for some credit for the uh, the '90s independent rock fans, I guess. Maybe I don't know. No, but I mean, like, this is like a last century, so it's it's really it's really 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 interesting, and it's uh, it doesn't feel like it's playing up too too much. I'm trying to. I mean, link it to me. I'll, I'll check it out. 
Here, where's the thing? There's so the... speaking, you mentioned you mentioned a band a second ago. Did you listen to the Teal album? Oh, the Teal album. Yes, I listened to the Teal album. I liked it. <laughs> I did too. I didn't expect to, but I was like, you know what? Hats off, gentlemen. <laughs> and I was skeptical because one of like my very favorite 80s songs is Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And they they pulled it off very well, actually. There, there wasn't a lot of modification to it all, but I mean... No, it was very straightforward. They didn't try to make these songs their own, but it was it was done well. I mean, the ones I didn't like, I didn't really care for Paranoid. Uh, I'm looking at the, the list of songs right now. So Africa is the first song on there. Then Everybody Wants to Rule the World, which is a Tears for Fears cover. And then Sweet Dreams by the Arrhythmics, Take on Me from Aha, Happy Together. Uh, who did Happy Together originally? It was a 60s song. That was the Turtles. The Turtles, thank you. Paranoid by Sabbath, Mr. Blue Sky from Yellow, No Scrubs. <laughs> Somebody got mad at them doing that. Really? Like, come on. Come on. He's, he's obvious. They're just obviously having fun with it. Billy Jean which wasn't terrible, but I was just kind of like, eh. How do you... Uh, Some we've, things we've, that are just complicated. We've talked yeah. about that song, and it, I think it's one of the best... It's my favorite Michael Jackson song. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to like it as much as the original. Stand By Me was okay. Um, yeah, I think Everybody Wants to Rule the World is my favorite song off of that. Take on me was pretty good too, and Mr. Blue Sky, honestly. Yeah, and you know it was just good. I mean, it's probably the best. You know, it gets added to the big two. <laughs> yes, correct. put it that way. That's for me, the big two and a half because I do like the first half of the Green Album. Yeah, the Green Album is not terrible. So yeah, the big two and a half. Yeah, you know, big three and a half now. So there you go. Yeah. So hats off, Rivers. You did it. You got. You get some some fans back. They did not add their cover of that other Toto song. They did uh, Rosanna. Rosanna, which was not bad. Yeah, which I mean, it's on. I have you know you use Spotify, but I use Amazon Music, so Rosanna's on there. So I might just have to add that to my to what I listen to the Teal album and just make my own version of it. But yeah, I was surprised. Like that just came out of nowhere. I didn't even. Not that I follow Weezer, but it just popped up one day when I opened Amazon Music. I was like, oh, what the hell is this? Yeah. It came out of nowhere. Yeah, like an RKO, right? <laughs> or a diamond cutter. A diamond cutter. Diamond cutter. Yeah. But um, I went back and looked at the top ten on that list, and uh, I don't like it very much because it's pretty cliche. <laughs> yeah, I saw you send me the link. I'll have to check it out eventually. Well, no, like, give you an idea. Like, uh, it's. Hold on. Uh, number one is. Uh, it's, uh, I'm just losing shit today. It's basically. Because John Lennon imagines number three. Number two is I can't get enough satisfaction. Bob Dylan, like a Rolling Stone, is number one. Yeah. And then. And then you have Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Aretha Franklin, respect. Beach Boys, good vibrations. Chuck Berry, oh, Johnny. Greatest songs of all time. Yeah, oh, these man. are his greatest songs. 
Nirvana uh, Smell Like Teen Spirit was number nine. Respectable. For but it's like when you get long. when you get in the meat of it all, it gets interesting. Like you'll get past some things. It's like yeah, Hound Dog by Elvis Presley, Born to Run, In My Life by the Beatles, The Ronettes, Be My Baby, The Impressions. People get ready, and yeah, it gets interesting in the meat of it all. And then you get to the just kind of standards. I don't even know where uh, I don't even know where Bohemian Rhapsody is in this list, and that might be sad. That's a good question. Because I mm. got the yeah, but no, and greatest rock song of all time would be really just that'd be a pain in the ass. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to do that. <laughs> that sounds like something we'd need to sit around with a like a twelve pack of beer and figure it out. Just like life, sit around with a twelve pack of beer and figure it out. Yeah, if if more people did that, then there'd be a lot less problems in the world. And now we go to the part of the show where we discuss politics from his point of view. No, I'm kidding. You want to get political? You want to talk about all this? Talk about Texas blue laws finally getting repealed? Oh, if it's that political, I'm in. Which one? Uh, I, I know. The, I, know only, the, uh, I know that everything's out there, but what? 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 Good news. Give me the good news. This is this is probably the only politics we'll ever talk about on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I had it written down like as possible stuff for us to talk about because it's coming up a, a lot. Because I guess elections next year. Um, honestly, they need to. They can just get rid of all of it. There's so if 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 our one listener is not from Texas, the blue laws are the things that prevent us from having open liquor stores on Sundays, having liquor being sold in grocery stores, having, oh, you can buy beer and wine on Sunday at a grocery store if it's after noon and I think before six or eight. On Sunday, really? Yeah, I think it cuts off at some point, doesn't it? I thought it cut off at like midnight for Sunday also. Oh, I don't know. Um, But then like, yeah, you can't... (laughs) Like liquor stores, even during the week, have to close by nine or something, and like you can't sell beer and wine at the grocery store past midnight. Like, there's a whole thing, but then it also goes into like you can't buy a car. Car dealerships can be open one day on the weekend, so they're always oh. open on Saturday. Yes, yeah, Saturday or Sunday. It used to be like way worse. Like you couldn't even like buy a hammer and nails at the hardware store because it. All over the weekend or something like it. It used to be way more ridiculous. I'm not saying it's not ridiculous now, but like, what the hell? Like, why do we still have this? What's the point? Well, so let's the, get rid of it. It could be worse. There. I mean, I'm not saying this is a reason to keep it. Anybody means, but I went to Kentucky a few years ago. They don't serve liquor on Sundays or beer anywhere, restaurant, otherwise, whatever. Is that a county to county thing or no? I think it's a county to county thing. And it, actually, it might just be all of it because everybody looked at me weird when I tried to order booze on a Sunday. I was like, what? It's a good thing to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I know like some, I used to travel for work and I'd gone up to Arkansas, this little yeah. city north of Little Rock. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's a dry county. So you have to be a member of the club if you want to drink beer with your dinner here and it's not like we were anywhere fancy dude we were at outback steakhouse that's where we were and uh and and they like somebody else at the table was already a member so it was like yeah you can just order it's fine 
So Bastrop's the same way. And I think it's mm-hmm. because they just want your information so they can track your ass down. Although in East Texas, I had to pay to become a member versus being just added to membership. So, yeah, I mean, they get weirder and weirder. Uh, I went to Pennsylvania once, and they don't they don't have – they sell it only in beer stores. And essentially what you have to do is – and this is, this is a couple of years ago, so I might have changed. I think it was like 2001, 2002. But what you had to do is you had to go in the beer store, and you could only buy – two six-packs at a time or two 12-packs at a time. It was one of the two. Mm-hmm. So th- they told me I brought up like, yeah, it was six-packs. I bought up, you know, three six-packs. And the guy goes, here's what you have to do. Buy the first two six-packs, mm-hmm. take it outside, pass the line that's out there, and then come back and buy the other one. <laughs> and it's like, I'm doing this, and I do it, and I go put the one in my friend's car, and I come back and buy the other one. And then I'm sitting there watching this guy. He's, he's coming out because... When I walked in, there was like two. There were two cases, two twelve or a twelve pack or whatever, two twelve packs of a Miller Milwaukee's Beast. Oof. Yeah, and You're up he, and as I got in, like he kept going out. And when I walked back in, he was walking in, and I was like, "Dude, what are you doing?" And he's like, "He goes, oh, I'm buying a, I'm buying about twenty uh twelve packs of Milwaukee's Beast." And I and then I looked outside, and I was like, "There's only like six out there, six. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, I know." It's like 14 more to go. I'm like, good luck. Bad beer choice, but good luck, man. You know, more power to you. But, Ooh, yeah, man. those are weird. But, I mean, uh, going to the other thing, we we have Walmart to thank for hopefully changing the laws because they want to get rid of – they want to be able to sell on Sunday. They want to mm-hmm. be selling at all times. They want to be selling in, inside of stores. And they, uh, they are having to petition because the way it works in Texas – and the reason there's only small liquor store chains, really, is because yeah. you have to buy. You can only get five liquor store licenses, and then you have to cha- trade them to a family member, either by birth or by marriage. So, like for all the spec stores they have, for every time they go over five, they have to whoever got them all transfers them to another family member, and then they start rolling the process over again. What a pain, dude. Mm-hmm. I just but, opened the specs on my house too. That's exciting. Yeah, and spec. By the way, specs doesn't want any of it changed. They want it all the same. Because I'm sure because they figured it out. Well, I mean, not only that, but it's like they get to they get to charge a premium on it, and they get bigger sales for not being on, open on Sunday. Basically, the second that Costco and Walmart and Sam's and all those are able to sell liquor, I didn't know what the price difference was until I went to California. Because I'm. Oh, yeah. A bottle of uh, Johnny Walker Blue is about 165, 170 bucks. You go into a Costco and buy it with wholesale, it's about about 90 bucks. Well, and two, and two. The other thing is they they should be afraid. Specs should be afraid of Costco because with the repeal of the blue laws, hopefully would repeal the law in Texas that says a place like Costco cannot sell their own brand of liquor. So Kirkland's liquor, which their bourbon is really nice. Um, Oh, they can't sell it. They okay, so they I didn't know they had their own brand of liquor, but I should Kirkland's, have been. Yeah, dude, it's good. <laughs> dude, Kirkland's makes everything else. Like I didn't realize uh and this might be a little out there for you, but so the Tylus makes a golf ball called the Pro V one that is about fifty, sixty bucks for a twelve pack for mm-hmm. a dozen of these balls. And 
they got they sued Kirkland's golf balls because they were very very much the same. They acted the same, like everything. Well, Kirk, you know, Costco won the the trial, and basically as a thank you, they go, "Thanks for telling us that our twelve dollars a dozen golf balls are as good as your sixty ones." And I've been trying to find them ever since, and then they're impossible to find. But yeah, so I mean, Kirkland's makes everything, so I'm not I'm not too surprised that they make liquor. I just well, wish they could sell it. Yeah, I watched a documentary about them, and they're actually very serious about it, about like the stuff that they put their own brand on, like they yeah. put their own name. They're they take it seriously. That's they're great. constantly quality control checking stuff, so there's that. But um, the other one out there that uh, everybody's been signing the petitions for is to do uh, uh, beer to go at uh, yes breweries. at the craft breweries, mm-hmm. which the one in my little town if. That pass would be great because I would totally buy their beer regularly. Yeah, I, I don't know why. That's two things I and don't understand. Yeah, and honestly, there there's a whole lot going on with the craft beer thing in Texas and going up against the giants, so to speak. Like, and distributorship is one of them. Like, there's there's a distributorship in Houston that is specifically for half for craft beer, but it's still. David going up against Goliath because it's very much a small company. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're not going to get in with the bigger distributorships because of companies like InBev or whatever, who are just lining the pockets of these big distributors. It sucks really because it's keeping great beer out of people's hands that would probably want to drink it. Yeah. No. And, I'm I'm perfectly okay with getting rid of the uh, distribution laws too. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there may be something there to be said on why they're there and why they were there in the first place. Lobbyists. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the fact of if you go over a certain amount of barrels a year, you have to have a distributor. It's it's the same idea as in the car business where, you know, basically you make a car, you can't sell the car. That's why right. Tesla is fighting that right now, I believe, in, in Texas and a lot of other places to yep. be able to sell their own vehicles. But no, I mean, if you get rid of those, it's like I think it gives you it gives it removes a barrier of entry for a lot of smaller breweries, and there's a lot of smaller breweries coming up because they there's been a boom of them. I, it's something I I definitely expect to be a crash, like all these small breweries that have come up just eventually crash, and we get down to probably a decent amount of craft breweries, but not as many as we have now because they pop up every 20 minutes. Right. And I think it, I mean, maybe the distributorship thing is if it doesn't happen, it might be a good thing because then it leaves them at a brew pub where you can go up and, you know, maybe not necessarily pick up a six pack, but I mean, maybe get a growler full or whatever, stuff like that. But it's, you know, some of these some of these places may do better as just a brew pub as opposed to trying to compete and sell. I think you know. I, I think that would be the biggest thing. It's like the one of the, all these breweries that are doing that, they end up scaling back and just becoming like a gastropub or a brew pub. And you know that's what BJ's is. They don't serve yeah. their beers anywhere else, and they nope. they seem to do great. So yeah, I haven't been to BJ's in forever though. They turned into it. They're like chilies now. They're just everywhere. <laughs> Did you catch that? <sighs> yeah. Anyway, you uh, you watch anything else good lately? Anything worth watching? 
Not repeatable. <laughs> I would tell the people out there, don't watch anything. Actually, watch. You, know, you know what I tell them to watch? Um, football has ended, mm-hmm. but you have the AF, the AAF. AAF. Yeah. yeah. They, they started this past weekend. I didn't watch any of their football, but. They dropped more passes than I could count in a, in a lifetime. It was <laughs> it was kind of interesting for a moment. Yeah, I didn't watch any of it. I mean, I barely watched any NFL, and it was like once the once my team started to get close, then I was like, all right, I guess I'll start paying attention. And then all of that happened, which we're not going to get into because it's going to make me sad. Oh uh, yeah, just I mean, the, here's the best way to put it: there was a lot of there was a lot of bad calls, a lot of missed calls, and a lot of things like say, that. Bad call? There was no call in this case. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying, like, like, I'm talking about in general. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. you're talking about across the board. It's like, you know, they made some oh, bad yeah. calls, they made some no calls. And then, you know, it was Roger Goodell kind of going, like, well, we Man. have room to improve and we can do that. But he didn't admit to anything wrongdoing because he won't. No, of course not. There's a, there's a South Park episode about that. There's always a South Park episode about something. They, they, they are so, so, uh, you know, start to finish so so quick they can take on any you know anything topical and get it out fast. And it's three years ago or so, four years ago, they did a whole thing leading up to Roger Goodell getting involved, and it was pretty interesting. It was good. Um, I went actually night before last, I think I went and saw they re-released that World War One documentary that Peter Jackson did. Oh yeah, they shall they shall not grow old. I went and saw that with a friend. Dude, it was really good. It was not as jarring as I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought it was just going to be, like, completely eye-opening. Not that it wasn't, but it was It was really good. I mean, if you have any interest in that, it's basically... The way it came around was, like, the Imperial War Museum or whatever has, like, a couple hundred hours of 100-year-old footage Peter Jackson's team went in and like first they cleaned it up and then they got the frame rate right so it looks like you know because all that that footage is real jerky because it's like those old hand crank mm-hmm. cameras so the frame rate's way off so they fixed that and then they colorized it and then they got forensic lip readers to come in hmm. so the scenes where there's people talking they're like oh here's what he's saying and then they got like voice actors to come in and voice it and all they right. They accurately made sound effects for it, but you're watching this footage and it's not like they're not like trying to recreate a day on the battlefield, but what they, they are doing is showing you this stuff. And then there's, there were interviews on the BBC done like in the sixties or something with a bunch of world war one vets. Yeah. They were talking about like, Oh yeah, I mean, this is just how we did, you know, I was 15 and the recruiter told me to lie about my age, so I did because I wanted to go, and I did. And then here's here's how we got our uniforms, and here's this, and here's what life was like in the trenches, which is grueling. I don't think I could have done that. And um, you know, he's like, "Oh yeah," and here's how we advanced to the next trench and whatever, and here's how we pushed the Germans back. It was all about the the Western Front in uh, Belgium and France. Super interesting. Huh. Um, look at that one. It was, I think it's still in the theater uh, as of, you know, us recording this in February of 2019. But um, it was, it was interesting, man. And it was just to, to, to see what those guys went through and, and, and hear the amount of detail that they were telling you 
over over the footage that's being shown, it was mm-hmm. man, those guys went through hell, like literal hell. Yeah. It was cool. I mean, it's if you know, I don't know if you're interested in any of that, but it was. I was really looking forward to watching this when I'd heard about it last year, and then I totally missed all of it when it was in the theater. But uh, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. And I feel like they don't they don't do much on that you know war like that's the one that kind of like just lumped in with war too like they're the same thing. Well, I think it's because there's a lot less American involvement in World War One than most people realize. We were only there for like the last I don't know six or eight months maybe. It was less than a year that Americans were over there, but the British were there for about four years, like yeah. most of the war. Um they lost like a million people, like a million soldiers died just from the British. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, And so, I mean, it's more of a big deal there, but I mean, Americans were very much involved in world war two. And I think that might be part of the reason because it's, I mean, who, who, who would have thought that that war could have happened? I mean, we're fighting two fronts and, you know, the whole, literally the whole world was involved in stopping three countries from trying to take over the world. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fantastic story. There's a whole lot more to it than just fighting a war. You know, there's the whole Holocaust and everything and all of that. And it's a huge story of human triumph, but world war one, I, I think to me is, is just as interesting, if not more because of, a lot of the things that were going on as far as brand new inventions introduced into warfare, like gas and machine guns and airplanes and bombs and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was a pretty, it was was pretty decent change. I mean, probably at some point in time, they still had horses in that war and there were, yeah, there was a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, World War One, it was, the one of the one of the guys they had interviewed had said, I mean, this war was fought with artillery, and the way they moved those giant artillery guns, those cannons around, was with horses. So yeah, <laughs> it was really interesting to watch. Like there's a whole lot I didn't know, but it was it was yeah, really interesting. Anyway, that's the last movie I saw in the theater. Before that, I saw Creed Two. Did you end up watching that? I did not. I did you ever see Creed one? Yeah, I saw Creed one. I liked that. Oh, you did. Yeah. yeah, I remember we were trying to review all those, and then I realized too many Rocky movies. <laughs> Way too many Rocky movies. That would that would have been like a lengthy amount of notes to last me a lifetime. There, <laughs> we might dude, still do it at some point in time. I mean, I've dude, I've seen all the well, aside from Creed two because it just came out, but I've seen all those movies enough times where I don't even need notes. It's like, yeah, I can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what else I watched. Nothing, like nothing really stands out. It's like movie wise, it's just been random flex of crap, basically. Yeah, I actually I did. Um, you know the uh, WWE movie that's coming out, Fighting with My Family. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I I didn't want. Uh, I I watched. Uh, I guess what would you consider the precursor to that? I found it on YouTube last night, just randomly, or the other night, and uh-huh. it was a. Uh, it was basically what 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 that's about, and uh, I forget what it's called. Uh, I think it's called the wrestlers fighting with my family, and 
it's essentially it. The documentary grows up to the point where the movie probably picks up right after it, but it gets up to the point where she, where Paige is going up to the WWE. But the, it was a documentary crew following her and her family. Really good, really interesting. Uh, it's a it's a short watch, but it was um, forty five minutes or so. Yeah. Okay, I just found it and added it to my watch later. Yeah. <laughs> but I, was like, I think I want to watch that. It was good, and it's like the it was. Pr- I like the I like the perspective of it all, and it kind of uh, it kind of sucks watching it, knowing the uh, how it all ends. How she basically, you know, she's permanently retired. I didn't realize she has basically about the same the injury that Edge does. So I mean, she, yeah, so she's the, the thing with your neck. Yeah, and she. I think she was. Tw- I think she's twenty five, twenty six. So I mean, she got she got a she got a little over a decade of wrestling, but not not much by, by some standards. Uh, let's see, how old is she? Yeah, she's twenty six, dude. Yeah. So. Yeah, she didn't she didn't get a whole lot of. I mean, she still has a career in the sense of she she's probably gonna be a manager. Um, I don't. I don't think they make women do the valet thing so much anymore. I'm okay with that because right. I mean, she could be like an on-screen authority figure, like a GM, like she is or was. She was. I think she's going to a manager now. And and that's fine. Or she could do. She could totally be a backstage producer role, like Finley or whatever. Um, I think if there was a a show that just had the women on it. I think she would be a great authority figure to have on that. And they're finally bringing a, a women's tag belt. They are bringing a women's tag belt. That's interesting. Which is because you, you don't think Vince McMahon thinks much of tag team wrestling sometimes. I don't think he does, which is a shame because tag team wrestling is great. It really is. I love tag team wrestling. There's a lot of strategery involved there. Hmm. Um, but here, here's a thought for you, and then just not not too in depth on it. But so Vince goes. I mean, XFL 2020. Yeah. Vince goes and decides to do that full time, and leaves a uh, leaves the company in the hands of we assume Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Correct. So that you know, by most accounts, that means that a uh, you know, old snaggletooth looking dude, bucktooth dude, who runs it now, who does all the video editing, is pretty much out the door. So, who? Um, trying to, the guy that's been producing, basically the executive producer director oh. of, you know, pretty much everything they do. It sucks when you don't remember names, but you know. Uh, so I, I don't even know why I put that in there, other than he gets kicked out. It's just something that's been mentioned a lot in a lot of these things. Yeah. So, Triple H and stuff take over. Do you do you think you immediately see kind of the uh, NXT model? move its way over, just kind of creep into that? Or does he keep it the same in kind of hopes of, you know, Vince won't come in and break the whole thing? What I hope happens is they get rid of some of the bloat. What I mean by that is trim Raw and SmackDown back down to two hours. Trim your pay-per-views down. Because how long was the Royal Rumble? It went from like 6 to 11, dude. Seven hours, I believe. That's, That's a full day. That's a full damn day. <laughs> um, you know, trim your, trim everything down a little bit. Trim the people down. Yeah, yeah cut some of the roster out. But, you know, and, and 
what I hope, and, and also what I mean by that is trim out a lot of the talking and BS and make your rivalry more about just physical competition, which, yes, I'm aware the competition is not real competition. But make it more about the story of so-and-so trying to beat the other guy as opposed to, oh, you, you know, beat up my brother or, you know, whatever the hell, you know, guys like, uh, oh, man, crazy cult leader dude. Oh, Bray Wyatt. Wyatt. You know, uh, cut out some of the crap of him trying to get inside other people's heads. It's funny, dude. I've been watching so since I've gotten the the uh, the network back, they they have put in a bunch of old episodes of WWF superstars from the early nineties, which is what like I used to watch on Saturday morning when I was eight. <clears throat> and they had a bunch of of episodes. Like the first thing that popped up was the Ultimate Warriors feud with Papa Shango. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch any of that? I don't think I watched that one, but it's always funny when you mention Papa Shango. Um, like I remember watching that when I was a kid and just being terrified by Papa Shango and like, why is Ultimate Warrior spitting up this black goo all over people or whatever the hell? Um, and it was it's it's funny to go back and look and and see. You know, everybody had a job. You had the big boss man. You had the repo man. You had. You know, Duke the Dumpster. You had the hockey goon. You had um, oh, man, City, man. It really was. It was it, everything was a gimmick. Everybody had a job. But then you look at the product that WCW had because there's a bunch of episodes of WCW Saturday Night on there too. I used to watch that show also. And it's you know, I mean, yeah, you got guys like Sting. You got guys like um, you know the the heavy metal Van Hammer guy mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But for the most part, it was just some guy coming out as whatever his name is and wrestling. Like at the time before he was buff, you know, Marcus Alexander Bagwell came out or the Steiner brothers were just two dudes and, you know, regular singlets. And it was more of a wrestling show. But then you look at WWF and they had this whole storyline and all this crazy crap going on. And that's what it is now. It's just modern. You know, it's what we're used to seeing. Cut, scale it back, guys. That's what I hope Triple H does. Make it, yeah. So to basically say you're right, I want it to be the NXT model because it's less bloated and there's more action. And those, dude, NXT Takeover was amazing. It yeah. was amazing. Bring some of that. I don't want to see Brock Lesnar keep that belt longer than he has to. I want him to get rid of it. Make him Andre the Giant. Oh, the guy that comes in and crushes everybody but never has the belt? That's not a bad yeah. idea. He doesn't need the belt to get over. Like I was talking about Piper. Andre never needed a belt to get over. Make him just be this well, big, unstoppable force that you threaten people with. Also, uh, it was the uh, Andre the HBO documentary. They said they could never get him the, give him the belt because he would, there'd be no way to take it off him without him losing. Right. right. So, you know, they gave him the belt, like, all at once. That's about it. He did get the belt once, and he sold it to Teddy Biasi. Yeah, he did. And I hope he made lots of money. Which was not a recognized title reign. But it's all storyline. Yeah, pretty much. Well, hopefully wrestling will get better. Hopefully the podcast so. will get better. 
<laughs> well, this was this was a. Uh, I think this is an experiment. And hey, can we still chit chat online? And we've got a whole. We got a bunch well, no, of stuff I'm, that we that's not out there that we need to get out there. And I'm not being disparaging. I'm just saying, like, we can grow to the future where we, you know, this is my job. This is our job. We make money doing this. That would be nice. <laughs> Sit and talk about crap to nobody else cares about. Yeah, sure. I'll yeah, do this drinking maybe. beer. Oh, yeah, no. If I can make the same money I do programming, I'm in. This is yeah, it. Here. Totally. Oh. I'm all over it. So, to that one listener out there, we need you to send us about a million dollars a year and we can split that. We should be good. <laughs> it wouldn't even take that. Shh, I'm overselling it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Bidding war. Start high. Start Bidding high. War. Start high. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, eventually we'll get to something. Anyway, you're out I'm of beer. Out. I'm out of beer. Glass looks unhappy and I'm almost on the line too. Well, hopefully this will go on the air soon. If not, it will sit on my computer to the end of time and someone will listen to it in the year 2020, 2020, 2020. Because it, it sounds, sounds cool. It sounds like a really sad episode of Futurama. It was a really sad episode of Futurama, actually. <laughs> I should go back and watch that one. You're talking about the one with the dog? Oh, uh, no, I was talking about the one where they keep traveling forward in time. And they, they actually go the year 25, 25, 25. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. I know that one. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. To our beautiful listener out there, have a good evening. Justin, always a pleasure. Can't say the same, but I tried. <laughs> I hate your stupid face. Night. <laughs> Night. Did you enjoy the podcast? Did you hate it? You've got some nerve, mister. Reach out and say hi, suggest a topic, a beer, or just tell us that we're terrible people. You can reach us at facebook.com slash 40 in a movie, on Twitter at 40 in a movie, or email us at 40 in a movie at gmail.com. If somehow you miracled this podcast onto your phone and need to figure out where you can listen to us, we're on Podbean, Google Play, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and more. Thanks for listening to 40 in a podcast, because we care about your mom. 40 in a podcast is not liable for hearing loss, baldness, patchy skin, diarrhea, or dry mouth as a result of this podcast. If enjoyment of this podcast lasts more than four hours, please consult a physician.